This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Uh, here's some strange news. There's a, uh, there's a fat bear week, and the winner is an entry called number 747. Look up that chonker when you get a chance. Uh, there's <laughs> a, other stuff happening in the news, of course. That's why we do strange news. Some of the strangest news for us this week is good news. You see, uh, we are coming to you fresh off the live signing for our first book. We got to meet so many of our fellow conspiracy realists in person. We hope you had a good time. If you're listening, shout out to everyone who came through. Uh, and yeah, it was just it was a good time. Uh, what, what did you guys think? Did you have a did you have a hoot? Absolute hoot and holler. It was a smashing it was delightful. Yeah, it was so great to see so many people that were out there just hanging with us. I want to do that more. We need more of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're we're probably going to, well, we're hoping to go on the road uh, more 
in the near future, in the beginning of next year. Uh, we have had some great recommendations from our fellow listeners to drop by places like Chicago, Austin, Boston, uh, other cities that don't rhyme with those last two. But uh, look for us. We'll hopefully have some news about that on the way soon. In the meantime, if you want to help support uh, support our crazy little endeavor, uh, go ahead and drop a review of the book on Goodreads or on Amazon. Uh, we have been told by Illumination Global Unlimited that it does indeed make a difference. So before you do any of that, However, uh, we have some important things to reveal to you. Uh, we have such wonders to show you, as they say in Ooh. Hellraiser. Uh, there are police using new technology in a terrifying but creative way. Uh, a longtime sci-fi actor went to space and uh, it gave him some feelings. And maybe we start in your mouth, folks. We're starting this week's strange news segment. Inside your mouth, maybe, on a very small level. Matt, this is one you found. Uh, were you a cavity kid? What was your relationship with your dentist? Oh, uh, I was not a cavity kid. I've never had a cavity before, guys. Wow. Look nice. at that. Humble brag. Somebody <laughs> brushes his teeth. You know, I didn't get a cavity till I was an adult. Um, I, got, I got that sealant put on my teeth. I guess it was really hot uh, in the in the age of my orthodontist uh, career, and it seemed to work. But um, only about maybe two years ago did I get my very first cavity. You're winning the game. You're winning the tooth game. Ah, oh, man. Well, you know, I, I didn't mean to brag. I just, it's weird. I don't have that experience. But I do know the experience of being creeped out by things and the experience of uh, having a weird feeling in my mouth. And when I put those things together with this next story, my goodness, it's tough to sleep. I hope this uh, story doesn't have that effect on you, but it might just a tiny bit. Let's begin. Here's the story coming to us from Penn Today, P E N N Today. It was posted not that long ago on October 4th of this year, 2022. This is the title. Microbes that cause cavities can form superorganisms able to crawl and spread on teeth. What do you think, Ooh. guys, if you just read that? Crawl? What, what would you think? Yeah. And spread? Yeah, I mean, I would say that... It makes sense for them to Voltron up uh, this micro, this microbial matter we're does talking about. Does it make about. sense? It does. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's the origin of complex life is simpler forms of life teaming up and evolving into things. It's often repeated that a canine mouth is cleaner than a human mouth, right? Uh, it's not as dirty as the mouth of a Komodo, but there's definitely an ecosystem in every human mouth. So I'm I'm not... I just sort of expect mouths to be dirty. Maybe I'm too cynical. Maybe, but uh, come on now. We're talking about cross-kingdom teaming up here. We're talking about bacteria and fungi working together to create one superorganism that then freaking crawls around, and it's been described in this article as jumping around in so your like mouth. like a little bug. Jump around. <laughs> jump around. Dodge the toothbrush and get down. Yeah, I feel it. I feel you there. So what's the, the, the remarkable part of this is the idea of different uh, microorganisms kind of collabing and uh, sort of becoming um, something new. Fungi that, that's, bacteria, right? That's part of it. 
The most, I think, astonishing thing for me and for the scientists who discovered this accidentally, by the way, is that both of these microorganisms, the bacteria and the fungi that are teaming up together, cannot move. They do not move when they're just regular old uh, bacterium or a, you know, a a fungi. I don't know. They aren't moving around your mouth before they team up. But somehow, for some reason, when they do connect together and work together, the bacteria uses the fungi like legs to crawl and move the bacteria around. Like flagella. Exactly. They're giving themselves prosthetic limbs almost. Uh, It's a a symbiosis because this presumably provides benefits to both life forms. Ever since the internet, whenever I think of uh, symbiosis and living things, I think of all those clips of raccoons appearing to ride other animals in the wild. This microbe, this bacteria then, is... uh, just able to, uh, do they know how this happened, Matt? Like how they originally partnered up or what research led them to discover this? No, we don't know. This was discovered in the saliva of children, really young kids, I think toddlers who had severe tooth decay. So like the first teeth that you get in your mouth, the baby teeth, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It, it was just discovered when looked through a specific type of microscope for long enough. Uh, It's intense stuff. This was at the University of Pennsylvania School of Dental Medicine. These are uh, scientists there who were checking stuff out, and they just stumbled upon it. I'll give you a quote from the article. Quote, this started with a very simple, almost accidental discovery. While looking at saliva samples from toddlers who develop aggressive tooth decay, Looking under the microscope, we noticed the bacteria and fungi forming these assemblages, really cool word, and developing motions we never thought they would possess. A, quote, walking-like and, quote, leaping-like mobility. What? Hmm. Listen to this. It keeps going. They have a lot of what we call emergent functions that brings new benefits to this assemblage they could not achieve on their own. It's almost like a new organism, a super organism with new functions. But guys, it's in a mouth. These things are jumping around on your teeth. Does that not... God, that just gives me the worst feelings. I mean, imagine what strange alchemy of uh, cooperation is occurring in your gut in your intestines right now you know it's human beings are kind of an assemblage of many many other organisms what was that statistic we found you know uh it's about how back the number of bacterial cells and what an average person would call their body that number of cells actually uh outnumbers the number of human cells it's just the bacterial cells are much smaller so Really, one of the scary questions here, at least from my perspective, is that since the mouth is one of the most easily uh, accessed parts of the body, what else is going on, right? Down there in the guts, what are they building in there? That's uh, the question. Yeah. I mean, the idea of emergence is fascinating in and of itself because it's it can be applied to philosophy, art, uh, science, other things. It's just the concept of like something being greater than the sum of its parts, or like, you know, interactions between different elements creating something that's altogether more uh, remarkable, I guess, for lack of a better term, than what each individual part 
can provide. Um, so the question of what are they building, like, is do they arise for a purpose? That's the question. Do, do these do these tendencies emerge to a greater goal, or is it just then the you know the goal becomes apparent after the fact, or, or there is no goal? It just kind of does what it does, and then it creates a, a an outcome. The goal is survival and reproduction. Well, exactly. always, yes. yeah. Uh-huh. So. In this case, it's uh, this increased mobility increases the uh, survive likelihood of survival. It's like all of a sudden, knowing parkour, uh, this bacteria's new uh, new limbs have unusual properties. So the emergent behavior is uh, something that allows them to actually less parkour and more Spider Man, right? Because they're sticking to stuff, they're adhering. Mm. Well, in this case, guys. The bacteria, if you imagine it, it's not it's not mobile. Once it forms on a tooth somewhere, it's there, okay? Unless it gets moved around through the natural movements of your mouth and your saliva, it's staying where it is. Same with the fungi, okay? Now, when they team up in this way, they can move around to different places, and they are way harder to get off with regular uh, tooth cleaning. So if it's just bacteria and you you clean your teeth with a toothbrush the way you've been told to do your whole life, kid, then you can usually get that bacteria off. Same with the fungi. But when it's together, it is way stickier on the enamel of the teeth or the area of the tooth that's damaged that it's eating away at. So this thing really does make it strong. It's like the the Hulk of bacteria. Uh, look, I'm going to share this with you guys really quickly, and then we'll move away from this topic. This is an image of what it looks like. Can you guys see this? Yeah, I was looking at this one earlier, Matt. Uh, and if we could describe it here, the spindly stuff is our uh, fungal life form, right? Those are the legs, yeah. essentially, or the, uh, the appendages. Yeah, it looks like a bunch of, in this case, it's colored, but it looks like a bunch of teal appendages attached to a bright light green mass, uh, like Mm -hmm. a fluffy looking mask. And that's the bacteria. Uh, Mm -hmm. God, and they're just going. (laughs) It also, yeah, the fluffy looking mass, as you describe it, uh, looks like it reminds me of some of those weird uh substances as toys that Nickelodeon used to sell. Not GAC, but there was another one that had some sort of beads embedded Flome. in it. Flome. Flome, yep. that's it. Yeah. It was like little head. kind of particles of uh, styrofoam bound together by some sort of sticky, you know, slime substance that you could mold into, uh, you know, different shapes and you could combine them with colors. You're absolutely right, Ben. It does have that particulate kind of look to it. Oh, and I learned from the Pen Today article that you shared, Matt, that there is a name for these projections. They are hyphae. Mm-hmm. Hyphae is the is like the word of the day. Um, another thing that was really interesting to me about this, Matt, is these scientists did uh, one of the smartest things you can do in this situation and attempted to recreate this strange amalgamation, uh, were they successful? Yeah, they did. Yeah, that's really the only way we're able to study them as much or Ah, know about them as much as we do. Um, Because ultimately, the attempt now is we've got these things. They're stronger than they, they should be, really. How do we prevent these things from forming? 
And oh, it's weird, you guys. They found that the structures are covered in this glue-like substance. It's like an extra substance that keeps all of the parts together from the two different <laughs> creatures, if you will. And mm-hmm. the thought is if you can somehow target that glue-like substance, you could break these things up way more easily. Uh, so there's lots more research to be done on this stuff to, you know, to be able to get rid of that really bad childhood tooth decay and then even perhaps apply this to adult tooth decay. Because if these things are crawling around on baby teeth, you know there's something or maybe something even worse crawling around on adult teeth. Go to the dentist, everybody. <laughs> yes, go to the dentist. Just be careful which dentist you go to and always be skeptical of perhaps unnecessary procedures. Right, guys? Upselling, right, exactly. It's not just to the mechanics, it's uh, just too. <laughs> That's right. My, man, somebody in my family just went through that exact thing that we talked about on our dentist episode. Um, guys, last thing before I, we take off right here, the DART program, remember the thing we talked about, slamming, uh, slamming mm-hmm. a spacecraft into an asteroid? Uh, it it was, It was around three times more effective than we hoped it would be. Wow. Super is dark. Awesome. It's super effective. <laughs> yeah. That's such a, yeah. It's a huge step, but it's only the first step of about 1,500 that we have to take to truly be able to protect ourselves on this planet from any and all asteroid threat. But gosh, it's a cool step. I'm just excited about it. I was thinking about this. I read a great comparison for this, Matt, which is uh, ultimately what we found, we threw a, we threw a ping pong at a freight truck. You can think of it that way. Uh, you threw a ping pong ball at it. And what we found is that it's possible if we get a big enough ping pong ball or enough uh, uh, an army of uh, ping pong balls, then we might be able to stop the truck from hitting us, us being planet Earth. I thought that was really inspiring, actually. 100%. Okay, so we are going to take a break, hear a word from our sponsor, and then head out into the vast expanse. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. 
With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, Podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 2424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. And we're back. Space. The final frontier. Did they say that in the original Star Trek as well? Or is it just in Next Generation? I think it was a callback to the original series. But I'm, I'm not a Trekkie. I do find the show very pleasant. Next Generation in particular. The original is obviously super campy and uh, a little silly at times. It doesn't hold up as well. Um, but it you know, is definitely a very, very important first step towards uh, what has become just one of the most beloved and long-running science fiction uh, television series of all time and something that I think uh, has exposed millions of people to the idea of space travel, to the idea of science fiction, to the idea of science. And also, you know, one thing I've always enjoyed about Star Trek is that it it is sort of a, it's an idyllic, um, you know, community. It's an idyllic world where they are out to spread peace and all of that. And there are only a handful of like warring species like the uh the borg obviously which is ai and uh i think the the klingons are not so great either i wish max williams was here he'd probably shut me down and and set me right but that's not we're not talking about star trek today exactly what we are talking about mr william shatner uh national treasure william shatner poet singer actor thinker um just all around interesting fellow and uh, he got the opportunity through uh, Mr. Jeff Bezos to travel to space on the Blue Origin space shuttle on October 13th um, of, uh, of 2021. William Shatner, by the way, is 90 years old, and that makes him the oldest living person to travel into space. And he penned um, a sort of reflection on his experience in the space. And I know William Shatner is a, a thoughtful person. Um, the unexplained um, is is quite an interesting and, and well made uh, sort of exploration of some of the same kind of things that we talk about on the show. Um, but I was kind of thinking that his reflection of going to space would be, you know, just full of wonder and kind of like on brand with sort of like his uh, his Star Trek roots. And there certainly is a part of it that that does go in that direction. But the thing that was most remarkable about it is he 
experienced something very profound uh, and and very sad. He experienced this feeling of like existential dread that I don't think he was expecting. Uh, so I'm going to read just a little bit from this uh, this piece that was published um, in Variety recently. Um, he you know he, he does the whole build up to to take off and all that stuff. And then he's in space. So we've got Shatner in space. I'm not going to do a Shatner voice. It's too on the nose and I would screw it up. Um, I saw a cold, dark, black emptiness. It was unlike any blackness you can see or feel on Earth. It was deep, enveloping, all-encompassing. I turned back toward the light of home. I could see the curvature of the Earth, the beige of the desert, the white of the clouds, and the blue of the sky. It was life. Nurturing, sustaining life, Mother Earth, Gaia, and I was leaving her. Everything I had thought was wrong. Everything I had expected to see was wrong. I had thought that going into space would be the ultimate catharsis of that connection I had been looking for between all living things, that being up there would be the next beautiful step to understanding the harmony of the universe. Uh, in the film Contact, when Jodie Foster's character goes to space and looks out into the heavens, she lets out an astonished whisper, they should have sent a poet. I had a different experience because I discovered that the beauty isn't out there. It's down here with all of us. Leaving that behind made my connection to our tiny planet even more profound. It was among the strongest feelings of grief I have ever encountered. The contrast between the vicious coldness of space and the warm nurturing of Earth below filled me with overwhelming sadness. Every day, we are confronted with the knowledge of further destruction of Earth at our hands, the extinction of animal species, of flora and fauna, things that took five billion years to evolve, and suddenly we will never see them again because of the interference of mankind. It filled me with dread. My trip to space was supposed to be a celebration. Instead, it felt like a funeral. I learned later that I was not alone in this feeling. It is called the overview effect and is not uncommon among astronauts, including Yuri Gagarin, Michael Collins, Sally Ride, and many others. Essentially, when someone travels to space and views Earth from orbit, a sense of the planet's fragility takes hold in an ineffable, instinctive manner. Author Frank White first coined the term in 1987. Quote, there are no borders or boundaries on our planet except those we create in our minds or through human behaviors. All of the ideas and concepts that divide us when we are on the surface begin to fade from orbit and the moon. The result is a shift in worldview and in identity. And then he goes on to talk a little bit more about what that means to him. You know, Ooh. and this is an excerpt from his book, right? Yeah. Boldly go reflections on a life of awe and wonder. I guess that's right. Yeah, it must be an excerpt of a, of a new book that that's uh, that was released uh, by Atria Books on October fourth of twenty twenty two. So he must have written this in. Uh, I mean, you know, see, books take a long time, but uh, he may have written this in, you know, after the fact. So I would love to read the entire book, but I just think it's very profound. This idea of the overview effect. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really is kind of a psychedelic kind of experience where you all of a sudden shrink down and, and see the greater scheme of things. And then you realize, I mean, how insignificant we are in the grand scheme of the universe, but also how special our planet is. And to be out in space, he, he wasn't looking at it as, as the final frontier. 
he was looking at it as like representing the blackness of like eternity and extinction and like how special that little pale blue dot that we inhabit really is when you zoom out and really see it. Um, and just the existential kind of dread of how when you've left kind of Mother Earth's kind of warm embrace, you know, how protected we are, relatively speaking, down there. Um, it, it is a profound feeling. And, and the idea of, you know, he does go back to, to, to having a sense of hope. He says, in this insignificance we share, we have one gift that other species perhaps do not. We are aware, not only of our insignificance, but the grandeur around us that makes us insignificant. That allows us perhaps a chance to re-educate ourselves to our planet, to each other, to life and love all around us if we seize that choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to see what you guys think. I mean, it really, you know, the, the idea of this billionaire, Jeff Bezos, just kind of doling out trips to space kind of willy-nilly. And I mean, you know, the idea of it being William Shatner, this actor who was, you know, in Star Trek seems very much like something that was cooked up in a you know, publicity room or a publicity meeting, or it's, oh, we'll get get Shatner to do it. He's the oldest, he'll be the oldest guy in space, and everybody knows William Shatner, that'd be cool. Perhaps. It just seems like it's, Shatner is approaching it from this totally philosophical perspective that I kind of tend to think a Jeff Bezos lacks. I think he's more about, like, how do I build the thing? How do I take all this money and do crazy stuff so I can, like, own the idea of traveling to space? But it's one of those things like in Jurassic Park where they spent so much time wondering if they could, they didn't think about if they should. Uh, and I just have a sense that, you know, a Bezos or a, a Musk or whatever kind of lacks that perspective that someone with clearly a bit more of a poet's heart kind of does. Um, the guys on internet today who I always reference and love, they pointed out, it's like giving out acid. Uh, and then when people start to peak on their trip, just popping champagne being like, we did it, but not really thinking about what that means in terms of how it can totally shift your perspective and, you know, uh, completely, um, you know, change the way you look at things and how that should be respected. I'll keep this brief, but I think if I'm understanding, so there are like five things, five, five things to respond to um, in your question there. So first uh, to walk backwards, uh, we have to understand that billionaires are still at this point human. And demographically, uh, it may be that Jeff Bezos, uh, whom I have not met, uh, simply has a deep love of Star Trek, uh, deep nostalgia for it. And he definitely has a deep love of space. Uh, I'm glad that you mentioned the overview effect because we went deep on that uh, in an episode a number of years ago, and it reminds me of some of the statistics with near-death experiences. So the sample size of overview effect is, by necessity, pretty low, uh, but if you look at it, what you'll see is that the majority of people experiencing this idea, this we are all connected uh, situation that, you know, uh, Bill Hicks has uh, performed comedy about very well, by the way, Uh, what we see is that they generally have a positive experience. So it's interesting to me that um, William Shatner is thinking he's feeling that connection, but he's also feeling the great silence of the deep ink. Um, The third thing I think you're asking was the idea of uh, whether this is a PR stunt. Um, it's quite possible, but I want to hold out a little bit of hope because space travel is so important for humanity that maybe what happened is 
Um, Jeff Bezos really wanted this to happen as a way of maybe saying thank you to someone who had informed his younger years so much. Uh, and then maybe various teams got involved and marketing came in and you know what I mean? They started to position it as oh, yeah. an, no, a way sure to there earn some... goodwill uh, and maybe deflect conversation from some of Amazon's more problematic activities. I'm not saying a guy like Jeff Bezos is incapable of sincerity. Um, I just think that it was almost like it's unexpected the, the the degree to which Shatner truly, you know, um, internalized all of this stuff. You know, like on the, on paper, it seems like, oh, yeah, like famed sci-fi actor and national treasure William Shatner goes to space. Like that makes sense. Like that, that, that just, it, it does sound like the kind of thing that would be dreamed up for like a press release. But I just think it's so cool that he really took it seriously and that it was completely not what he expected at all. And that he does have this kind of, it's hard to describe it as entirely negative because he, uh, he does, you know, kind of turn it around to how can we use this experience to guide our stewardship of the planet? Because I think it, what it really hit home for him is that, Maybe this is all there is, at least for us, you know, in terms of what we can reach, what, what it's taken so long for us to develop the technology. You know, we can really only go a, a very short distance into into the galaxy beyond. Um, I just think it really hit home for him how, you know, special and Goldilocks, you know, our planet really is. What do you think, Matt? He sort of approached it with a real poetic, philosophical kind of perspective. How did it hit you? Yeah, it's kind of devastating to read. Um, I've got this clear picture of, hey guys, this is weird, but a clear picture of a flea and it's on the back of a, a wild dog that's just living out somewhere, let's say in Florida and the dog has, you know, just all it's known is living out in the wild on its own. Right. And there's this one flea on its back. It's just, it's like number 420 and the generations of fleas that have lived on the back of this dog because it's been around for a long time but the dog is dying the flea doesn't understand that really the flea knows that the dog isn't doing so great i guess in some way because it's it's moving a little slower but the flea really doesn't have an understanding of how the dog is doing it just knows well that's where my food is i'm safe here uh, all I really know is the back of this dog and a couple of places that I can crawl around on this dog. I don't even know that it's a dog. It's just the thing. It's my home. It's the thing that gives me everything I need. The dog goes for a swim mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and uh, the, the flea is forced to leave its home. I don't mm -hmm. know. God, never mind. Well, the overview, <laughs> the overview effect for the flea then. Matt, which I, I, I love this uh, picture you're painting. Um, the overview for the effect for the flea then could occur if, let's say, the dog goes swimming, the dog dives, and the flea is left on the surface, and it is somehow far enough away to see the scale of the world on which it lived. You know what right. I mean? That would be the overview effect, as long as we don't worry too much about uh, flea sensory organs. But that's that's a beautiful image, Matt. Thank you so much. I really enjoy that. I've been fascinated as, well, Matt, as you know, with the overview effect for many, many years, man. It took but, me to space camp. Oh, there, there we go again, flaunting your space camp at me. No, I know it wasn't at me. Uh, but what Chadner also points out is the the, the fact that humans have self-awareness and that we can, you know, meta 
cognition our way into understanding how good we have it and how this overview effect really just kind of hits that home. The flea doesn't have that. So it would just desperately try to find some other, you know, sustainable uh, habitat to occupy or die in the process, you know, um, but never really understand what it was that uh, that was sustaining it or find another dog or another organism. We don't have another dog, you know, um, as expensive it is as it is to go to space just with like a small crew. If things really took a turn, I mean, we're screwed. If our dog dies, we're toast. Yeah. And uh, it is dying, <clears throat> at least uh, for us. But, you know, again, there is this sense. I'll just read the last bit again, uh, just to kind of end on a positive note. That allows us perhaps a chance to rededicate ourselves to our planet, to our dog, to each other, to life and love all around us if we seize that chance. But as we know, as we talked about in the Silurian uh, episode recently, um, industry and the, the byproducts of, you know, industrialization and humanity have created subsystems that are now it's hard to put back in the box. Um, so it, you can, you can, you know, say this from the perspective of a very wealthy man uh, who has been able to go to space, but we're not all going to get to have that opportunity. We can read this, this excerpt and kind of understand it. We can think about what that means, but it's not like this is going to all of a sudden change the course of the, uh, the, 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 the moving pieces that are causing the death of our planet. Cause they're all just so entrenched in these systems that have been created, you know? And, and there's just, I don't see any significant turning back to the point of fixing things, but maybe I'm wrong. I hope you're wrong. Yeah, I hope I am too. Um, but anyway, sorry for this one being kind of a bummer, but I just, I was really taken by this. I thought it was very beautifully written. And uh, yeah, it is a, a book co-authored by Josh Brandon, uh, Boldly Go, Reflections on a Life of Awe and Wonder that you can get, uh, I believe now, um, from Atria Books. It came out just earlier this month. So let's take another quick break and then we'll come back with one more piece of strange news. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more 
while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs, on-demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, Podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 2424 24 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. And we have returned. Uh, as you can tell, I I don't want to speak for everybody else, but I, I at least have been going into some rabbit holes on the future of technology as applied to law enforcement. This is very much an earthly story, uh, and it is going to be something that is going to affect, uh, I can't remember the other two points I was supposed to address in that last one, but something about overview effect. Check out our earlier episode on that. So um, this this story, to frame it in a um, bit of a segue here, this story makes me think there are a lot of people in the tech industry and a lot of people in law enforcement who could use a dose of the overview effect. Police are in trouble because they've done something pretty bold and scientifically pretty exciting, uh, but also rightly a bit terrifying. The Edmonton police have used DNA to generate 3D images of suspects that they have never seen. This already came about, like if you look at the news, you'll you'll see Vice on it, of course. Uh, different true crime blogs are covering it as well. Uh, I dove into some of the labs that we're working with these folks, and I'll give you the um, I'll give you how it all shakes out at the end. But here's what happened earlier this week, like uh, just yesterday, as we record this on October 11th, the Edmonton Police Service shared out this computer-generated image of a suspect they created with DNA phenotyping. They used this for the first time in the hopes of identifying a criminal or a suspect from a 2019 sexual assault case. So they were able to gather DNA from the assailant, and they got with a company called Parabon Nanolabs. Parabon Nanolabs. Um, not sure what Parabon stands for, but it does sound like it would be uh, one of those little, one of those little 
pretzel places in an airport somewhere or a Cinnabon. It reminds me of Cinnabon, but they don't do <laughs> Cinnabons. They do DNA and, you know, Orwellian thought crime stuff now. So the image they created, which I will uh, share here so we can all get a look at it. The image they created is pretty, like it, it looks like a normal person. It looks like it would be a computer generated face you might see in um, a newer video game, right? Like a NPC character, maybe who gives you a side quest. You can tell it's a, ge- a computer generated image is what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's very Skyrim, very arrow in the knee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, they have some, they have some stuff in there about the projected age. Uh, you know, they say it's a male and, They also include ancestry because ancestry is a big part of what you find with DNA. Uh, But the composite image did not factor, really factor in the age. They just decided to show the assailant 25. Uh, Didn't factor in uh, environmental variables like facial hair, tattoos, scars. They released this on their website and on multiple social media platforms and said, this is, quote, a last resort after all investigative avenues have been exhausted. So first, before we go on, I don't want to uh, talk here. Uh, Before we go on, what do you guys think? They say it's a last resort. They're leveraging technology. They're trying to find uh, a, a criminal, an assailant. Is this too far? Or is this overall a good thing? Uh, I mean, it's sort of, it's like the, the shot caller thing. Well, I'm sorry. I always get the name of that one wrong. Shot, shot spotter. spotter. Yes. Yeah. It, it just, you know, the, the implications seem aligned with that to a degree where like if used correctly and if it works as expected, uh, then it could be okay and potentially helpful, but I just, it usually Whoa. doesn't. Well, here's the problem. It's so generic, right? It's so generic. All it mm-hmm. can do is raise suspicion in anyone who's read those posts, anyone who saw that image, any citizen or law enforcement officer that sees it is going to go, okay, well, I'm going to be on the lookout for any suspect that matches this description. Uh, right. Generic young African man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it specifically says the parts of Africa from from where this person allegedly, you know, was born where their DNA arises from. And you match that super generic image with the description that the only description that they have working. Right. Which is also super vague. Right. Uh, He's simply described as five foot four with uh, uh, pants and a sweater or a hoodie. He also has a hat Uh, and and an accent, right? Accent. Yeah, but no one knows what kind. So, yeah, I'm glad you point that out because uh, many privacy experts are already raising hell about this, and rightly so, at least the way EPS is handling this. They're not – I mean, clearly they have good intentions. They're trying to catch a bad guy, but the information they're working off of and the image they put out is, frankly, dangerous. And this is not just me saying this. This is a statement from Jennifer Lynch, the surveillance litigation director of the Electronic Frontier Foundation. Uh, Jennifer agrees with me and says, 
in full, she says, quote, releasing one of these Parabon images to the public like the Edmonton police did recently is dangerous and irresponsible, especially when that image implicates a black person and an immigrant. And she goes on to note, uh, people of color are already disproportionately targeted for criminal investigations, and this will not only exacerbate the problem, it could result in public vigilantism and harm to misidentified individuals. Like, to your point, Matt, the, um, the description is so vague that someone may use that as a justification, right? And they'll say, there they are, and there's no specific identifier there. This can mislead people. Uh, you have to to really get a sense of it. I would recommend uh, checking out the checking out the Vice article, and then also checking out places like Mesha Media uh, or Mesha Media. Uh, they have a write up on this as well. If you scroll down here, and this uh, shout out to the author here, credit where it's due, Chloe Shang over at Motherboard. Uh, this this article shows something called snapshot DNA analysis later on. On the Parabon site itself, you can find multiple case studies where they'll give you a sense of how sometimes accurate and how strangely, dangerously misleading some of these things can be. I'll show one picture first that is pretty close. Okay, so we're looking at what is the second case study in this uh, in this exploration, and you'll see an actual photo, and then the digitally reproduced from DNA information photo or rendering, we should say. So the um, photo on the right, the actual photo of the actual person, looks like a pretty generic white guy, maybe a few freckles. Uh, Matt pointed out off air, he's got some spiky hair. Well, how would you guys describe the resemblance here? I mean, it's fairly close, I guess. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it is fairly close, actually. I'm looking specifically at the nose, the mm. ears, and the eyes, because those are things that wouldn't change very much. Um, yeah, I, I'd give it an 85. Okay. Hey, that's pretty nice. Noel, does this look uh, like it's a compar- comparatively um, similar rendering to you? Yeah, even the curvature of the face, like the picture on the right, there's some kind of sunkenness to the eyes or like some kind of, you know, the relief of it. Uh, and that's captured pretty well. The lips are a little thinner in the reproduction, but I mean, the eyebrow, I mean, it's, it's a little, uh, yeah, the ears, the way they, you know, sit on the head, the, you know, people have different types of ears that stick out or, or, you know, closer to the head and that you got to get to that right. Even like the Adam's apple mm-hmm. and the curvature of the, the neck. I mean, it's pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. I, tend to agree with you guys. There, there's some little things that side by side look off, like the curvature of the mouth is a little bit different than the actual person. But it's also very easy for us to see those differences when we have both of them to look at side by side. Uh, what you'll see at the bottom when you look at these things, fellow conspiracy realist, is um, a spectrum for eye color, for skin color, hair color, and freckles. 
uh, and then they'll include sex, age, body mass, and ancestry. Uh, and in both the case of the age and the body mass, they say unknown, and then in parentheses, they just tell you what they chose for the rendering. And that's where things get really sticky, because if we just scroll back up uh, just a little bit, we'll see another composite profile uh, where where there's a guy who looks 25 in his uh, in his like uh, Elden Ring or well not Elden Ring they don't have regular looking people there in his Skyrim or GTA version. But what about that photo on the right? Not good. I mean, this one's just whack. Well, it's you know, primarily I mean, because they don't take into account body mass index, right? And, or age. Yep. Um, but at like. So the the actual um, person, I guess, that was picked up in the mugshot here is quite a bit overweight, and he does appear quite a bit older than the photo, than the generated photo. Um, but the chin, like, look at the chin, guys. That is a very different chin to me. It's a very different chin. Look at the, the uh, cast of the eyebrows as well. The distance between the eyes is, uh, like, the... It's a little harder to tell because of the glasses. Yeah, but, but you yeah, can tell kind of, like, I think you're where right. the where the eyebrows are, even the trajectory of the eyebrows is different, right? There's a little more of an angle there unless he gets his eyebrows done. You know what I mean? No judgment. People are into that kind of stuff. So, well, but I think the issue here though, is like, I I've seen people that look like that guy on the left. He looks kind of like a run of the mill hipster mm -hmm. type dude. You yeah. Know he's, what I mean? got youth, and, uh, uh, he's got a faster uh, bass player vibes. 100%. And I mean, that you're not going to be looking for a guy that looks anything like the dude on mm -hmm. the right at all. And you could very easily pick out a type or a dude that looks like the guy on the left uh, mm. and be dead wrong. So dead oh, wrong. Okay, so, guys. Yeah. Guys, how is this any different from a police sketch? That's a good question. Well, it's... That's a very yeah, good question. Here's how it's different. It is based on traceable information so dna evidence is much more reliable than an eyewitness account uh, because it doesn't suffer from the same hazards of memory but i would say the way in which this is being used has an incredibly high likelihood of getting innocent people detained or jammed up the the process is if you think about it the way they're Looking through some of these things, um, let's say you have uh, something like the D'Angelo case, the uh, original Night Stalker. Uh, that guy was caught using old DNA evidence and he was tracked down because a relative was in a DNA database. And ultimately, they, you know, they went through his trash and they got... Uh, stuff that had come in contact with his body, and they were able to confirm the DNA. What's happening here, the idea would be maybe you can make this, like make this rendering uh, close enough to the real thing that you could run it through some sort of other database, or you could find older photographs of the, of the assailants around the time the crime was committed, and then trace the provenance of those photographs or the people in them, maybe, or the face that pops up in the database to someone. The problem is when you go to the, when you make this public, uh, if it's this vague, 
then people are going to be targeted. I think that's one of the big concerns. People are going to be targeted without real cause by civilians, by law enforcement as well. I mean, this is like what happens when the police detain you and don't tell you why, but they say, look, all you have to do is give us a DNA sample. What would you say? The correct answer is lawyer, by the way. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, but it's also one of those things where if you if you're if you're innocent and you know you're innocent and you, you know, have a, a naive trust of the system, you might just say yes. But then it could confirm something even if you know what mm-hmm. I mean, like it could actually put you in Dutch even if you didn't do it because of the, the this new technology and, and what it would confirm, you know. Mm-hmm. And this this is where, you know, this stuff is a future episode, in my opinion, and wish we had more time to dedicate to it now. But I would love to hear everybody's thoughts on this. What do you think? Is it if we do the cost benefit, is it better for society to have this or are there do the consequences outnumber the possible uh, benefits? Uh, let us know. We can't wait to hear from you. We'll be back tomorrow with a classic episode. We've got some uh, new stuff up our sleeve later this week. We can't wait to bring it to you. And in the meantime, we can't wait to hear from you. Uh, have you experienced the overview effect astronauts in the audience? Let us know what's going on. Uh, what kind of creepy crawly things or in your mouth, uh, what do you think is the future of microscopic superorganisms? You know, if we can teach them uh, to do some handy stuff like, you know, like those shrimp that eat plastic, maybe this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Give us your take. We want to be easy to find online. And we are. You can find us on uh, Facebook and Twitter and YouTube with the handle Conspiracy Stuff on Instagram. We're Conspiracy Stuff Show. Yes, we have a phone number. It's one eight three three stdwytk Give it a call. Leave a voicemail. You've got three minutes. Say whatever you want. Give yourself a cool nickname. Let us know if we can use your voice and message on the air. If you don't like sending voicemails, we get it. Your phone is kind of weird. It's literally the thing that's keeping track of you right now and everything you're doing. Why not instead send us an email, which is also tracked sometimes. Uh, you can use Proton Mail or something if you want. Our email address is conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare.
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. 